You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, hello. It is great to see you guys here today. She mentioned Man Night. That is this Thursday, and and uh, I'm excited about it for a lot of reasons. I know there's a lot of stress on uh, being a man today, and so it's going to be a relaxing night to really focus on growing uh, closer to God, but also becoming more of a, of a leader, a man of God. If you're in college, we want to see you guys there. If you think you're a man and you're a, maybe a junior or senior in high school, you think you're man enough. We'd like to see you there as well. And uh, we've got this professional chef here in our church, and he's going to make the, uh, something that's going to be pretty incredible. It, it's a short rib bison chili. Come on. Come on. That's good stuff right there. I don't even know what that's going to be like, but I'm pumped and I'm excited to, 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 to taste that and to hear uh, Ebo speak. It's going to be a great night. I'm going to speak as well. And uh, you can register in the Connect Center before you guys uh, leave today. You know, today we're starting a brand new series. And so we are, we're going to study the book of Habakkuk together. And some of you are probably wondering uh, why in the world we would be studying a small minor prophet uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, what in the world does that have, you know, to do with our life today? Uh, you probably didn't even know it existed in the Bible. Maybe uh, you didn't, you, let's just be honest, we don't know where it is in the Bible. And uh, we definitely don't have any clue how to spell it correctly in the, either. And so we're just, we're just kind of, you know, get it out there today. But if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew. I'm going to help you out. This is a little preacher trick here. Go to Matthew and then take a slow left and just keep going a few pages to the left. All of these minor prophets are smaller, like two or three pages max. And so you'll come to Habakkuk. And uh, if you don't know where the book of Matthew is, I can't help you. Um, <laughs> so the reason why I love this guy and the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to him in this book is because if you're a follower of Jesus today, there, there have been times in your life where you have really just like been connecting with God. You, you felt like he was close. You felt like he was in the room. You felt like there was a connection there, like the, the spirit of God was just real. And then there were also times in your life where you're praying and, and, and you're living your life and, and you just can't really sense or feel God's presence at all. It's like sometimes you feel really close, and then there are other times where you're, you're wondering if, if he even exists. Like, is he even listening? Does he even care? And so uh, that's why I love the, 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 the Psalms as well. When you read the Psalms, it's, it's like the spiritually schizophrenic guy is, is writing these words because, you know, on one page, he's saying, hey, you know, God, you're so faithful, we're, 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 we're in this mode where, God, you are so real, and then the next page you turn over and you're like reading, God, where are you? I feel so alone. You flip one page over and, and he's saying, God, you're listening to me, you're speaking to me. You turn the next page and he's like, I feel like you've left me, God. And it's like this spiritual schizophrenic. <laughs> God, you're with me. God, you're not there. God, you're here. God, where are you? And uh, man, I, I just feel like that's been my life this year. 2018 has been like a spiritually schizophrenic trend. <laughs> I'll just, just confess to you today. Like one minute, um, I've, I felt like God was, was answering a, a three to four year prayer that I had been praying and, 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 and hoping for. And so it felt like, you know, God, you're so faithful. When we opened up this building in the spring, we, we, we finally got it completed, all the hard work, all the effort, you know, raising the support. We finally accomplished it. 
were moving into this facility. That first day was so awesome. Biggest crowd ever at that time. Baptized over 30 people. So exciting. All this great stuff happening in the life of our church, new and fresh. And then at the same time that was happening, I was also dealing with uh, my, my mom who had just learned that she had cancer. In February of this year, she was biking 40 and 50 plus miles a day. And then in March, we learned that she had stage four cancer. And so here I am, God, you're so faithful. God, you're so good. And then that very morning after we celebrated so many baptisms, I preached this message. I got into my car and I stayed the night in the hospital with my dying mother. At 9 a.m., God, you're so faithful. At 9 p.m., God, where are you? What in the world is going on? Are you there? Are you listening to me at all? We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and the prayer turned into how much longer, God? How much longer can we go on? How much longer are are you going to allow this cancer to ravage her body? I I just knew God was going to heal her. I just believed and I, I, I knew that he could, and, and I knew that, that he was going to, and I already had the video played out. I, heard the, I already had the day you know, planned, and, and she was going to come out here, and she was going to speak, and, and we were going to watch it, and we were all going to cry, and, and, and it was going to all bring glory to God. I, I had the story all laid out. But as we prayed and as we waited, things just continued to get worse and worse and worse. The doctors came into the room and said, I'm sorry, but there is nothing more we can do. Have you ever been like so down and depressed and then all of a sudden it got even worse? (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm at rock bottom. And then something else happened and then like the bottom just really fell out. It was like a whole nother level of desperation and I just felt like God was rejecting me. I felt like God didn't care. I felt like God wasn't listening to me at all. And I'm, I'm wondering, all through this silence, all through this anger and frustration, where in the world is God? Ultimately, we, we did not get the healing that we were praying for. Mom passed away in May. And, and so we continue to struggle, honestly, trying to put the pieces together and to figure out, you know, what is next? And and, and where was God in all of this? And what is he trying to, to show me? And I really felt like I am uh, entering into and am now in the waiting room. You ever been to the doctor and you sit in the waiting room, you know, you're, you're awaiting the results of a test or you're not feeling good, something's going on. And so you're going in and get some exams or whatever, or maybe you, you know, you had a loved one that's, that's having surgery. And so you're waiting in the waiting room, waiting for them to come and the, the anxiousness and kind of anxiety and the, you're just kind of waiting for the doctor to come in and to give you some good news. And you're just waiting there. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things where it's just like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. And I just feel like that's where I'm at. I feel like that's where I have been. And uh, I knew the story of Habakkuk, but I had never really dove in and studied it, never preached through it. And so last winter I started. And I knew that we as a church were, were, were going we're gonna to go through it at some point. And, and, and I believe that as we have faced that, this guy Habakkuk, this prophet, was experiencing the same types of questions 
Many of you know what I'm talking about because you're feeling it right now. You're questioning God. You're wondering if God is listening. You're wondering if God is real. You're wondering if God even cares. And so today, I want to begin to answer the question, what do you do when evil is loud and God is silent? What do you do? How do you wrestle with the sovereignty of God? God, you say that you love me. You have a purpose and plan for me. And yet, you let my mother die. Habakkuk wrestles and struggles with this question. And I want us to struggle and wrestle with it as well today. He is living 600 years before Jesus. And so just to kind of give you a time frame. And the, the nation of Israel had, had been divided into two kingdoms. The southern kingdom called Judah. The northern kingdom called Israel. And Israel had already been uh, uh, wrecked by the Assyrians. They came, took them into slavery, destroyed the, 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 the area. And, and so they were done. And then Judah was hanging on by a thread. They continued to have kings that were leading them to worship idols. They were in a, a terrible moral state in, in, in the country. Um, Habakkuk is living in this time. Um, immorality is rampant. Evil violence is everywhere. And they're also suffering from starvation. Their crops aren't coming in like uh, they had in the past. And so they're starving, moral decay, evil violence everywhere. And Habakkuk is living in this time and he's saying, God, what in the world is up? God, where are you at? So let's take a look at Habakkuk chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 1. It says, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long... Shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted." Just stop there for a minute. We'll continue to read. But Habakkuk here is crying out to God. He is saying, God, how much longer am I going to have to cry for your help? How much longer am I going to cry out to you and you not listen? How much longer am I going to have to tell you all the bad things that are happening today and, and you not actually care? In verse 3, it says that you idly look at wrong. In other words, God, why are you kicking it back on the lazy boy, man, drinking a glass of lemonade while we're suffering, while we're hurting, why so-and-so is sick, why my husband is leaving me, why I am in a state of depression, why, God, are you not doing anything while I am dealing with all of this? So, several principles we want to learn today. The first one is that it's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to cry out to God and be honest with God and bring the questions that you have to him. In fact, it's very healthy to do that. If you're angry with God, if you're frustrated with God, it's a great uh, practice to cry out to him for help. There is terrible moral decay happening in Judah at this time. He uses six words. He says that there's violence there's injustice, there's wrong, there's destruction, there's strife, there's conflict. Sound a little familiar about our culture as well, right? How long, God? How much longer are you going to let this happen? Does it, does it have to get worse, God, before you step in and do anything? And 
you know, when he says, how long, oh God, it tells us that he's been actually praying that for a while because it's, please God, do this. Please God, help. Please God, answer. Okay, God, how long am I going to have to pray this? Please God, help me prayer. Right? And so he's been praying this for a long time. It's painful. It's so, so difficult in this season of his life. And it, to him, it feels like God isn't answering. God isn't present. God doesn't care. He's confused. He's a bit frustrated. And what I love, though, is that he's actually bringing this to God because it's okay to do so. And so as, as a follower of Christ, you're in the church. I know our MO is to pretend like everything is okay. How you doing? I'm doing great. Things are fine. Inside I'm dying, but I'm just great. Praise God, right? We're really good at hiding our feelings. Men are terrible at this. You don't speak to your wife and your wife is like, what's wrong? Nothing. And it drives your wife insane, you know? It's like we, we show up, we pretend everything is okay, we pretend that we've got it all together, and when we read the scriptures, the scripture would say, stop pretending, stop faking. When you come to church, when you come to small group, bring your questions, bring your anxiety, bring your, your problems. Open up, let those barriers fall down. Let those barricades that you have around your heart fall to pieces and say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's happening in my life. I don't get it. This is what Habakkuk would tell us to do. Secondly, another principle we have to learn at this point as we're diving into this is that you're not alone. No matter what you're experiencing today, no matter what pain you're suffering from, no matter what evil and unjustness is happening in your life, you're not alone. You look around this room and there are many people in the room that are either uh, just coming out of a situation or maybe they went through it at, at some point in their life. Or perhaps you're in the waiting room today and you're experiencing it. Or some of us don't know, but you're getting ready to enter this season either this week or next month or next year. And so we all have issues and we all are dealing with questions and we all are wrestling with, at some level, the sovereignty of God. And when we look at this and when we read scripture elsewhere, we see over and over again, people in the, in the word of God are suffering and in pain from time to time. Psalm 13, one and two says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Will you forget me forever? I mean, this dude is pretty depressed, right? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day? Some of you have like these thoughts and you are wrestling with these thoughts day after day and you're questioning and you're wondering and all of this stuff is happening right here in your mind and you're like, how long am I gonna have to wrestle with these thoughts? And how long, he says, am I gonna have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? It just feels like wave after wave is hitting you and you can't win and, and you're just struggling and striving and it, and, and it just doesn't feel like you're experiencing that breakthrough that you're longing for. Jeremiah knew what it felt like. Jeremiah 12, 1, he says, why does the way of the wicked prosper? And why do all the faith, faithless live at ease? You know what he's saying? Why do all these immoral people out here looking like they're having the time of their life why do all these immoral people making all this money look like they've got it together and here I am, I'm trying to live for God and I'm struggling day in and day out. When's my time gonna come? God, why are you blessing all these immoral people? And I'm trying to be, you know, a follower of Christ here. He gets it. 
Psalm 22, one says, why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? You see, you're not alone in your distress today. You're not alone in your problems or in your, in your pain. And we look all over our culture today and, and, and we see school shootings, we see terrorism, we see uh, human trafficking, racial and economic oppression. We see all of these things, political division on the news day in and day out, fear-mongering to, to get us stirred up and, and oh my goodness, can the elections just please get here and get over? I'm sick of the commercials. Like what is happening? <laughs> You like look at all this, and, and, and when you really digest what's happening in our culture, God, how long are you going to let this come, come, come on? Like, how long are you going to let this happen? When are you going to step in? Why aren't you doing anything? And, and this is what Habakkuk is saying. He's saying, God, where are you at? And, and notice, this doesn't come just as a complaint for complaining's sake, like he's just this big nagger or just like this big complainer. No, he, this is a prayer. It comes as a prayer. He's not, he's not doubting that God can rescue and God can save. He's just wondering why in the world is he not? Why isn't he showing up? Why isn't he doing anything? In verse 3, it says that he is idly looking at wrong. God, why aren't you stepping in here and you're watching all this happen? In verse 4, he says the law is paralyzed. The law is the first five books of the Old Testament. It's called the Torah. Why is the law paralyzed? Nobody's applying it. Nobody's reading it. Nobody's applying it. No one's following it. A lot, again, like our culture. And what happens is he, he says the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. So justice will never go forth if we are not concentrated on the word of God. He says the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Justice is always perverted when God's word is neglected. And if we try to lean into our own understanding, we try to lean into our judgment and how we feel things should go, and the way we feel is right or wrong, it will be perverted. God's word is our standard, and he says it's paralyzed in this setting. Nobody's following it. No one's doing it. And so the question is, at this point, why is it good for this moment to happen in his life? Why is it a good thing for you and I to experience a season of a waiting room in our life? Why is it good that we cry out to God in frustration and pain and maybe even anger? Well, I think it's good because in that moment, in that season of your life, you realize that you are not all powerful. You are not all knowing. You are not all that great at all. And you realize that you aren't in control. We sing the song Oceans, which is one of my favorite songs. Love to bring it back. It's been a while since we, we've uh, sang that together. But the words of the song say, Lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wonder, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And that is a deep, deep prayer, Right? Lead me into waters that I am not familiar with or comfortable with that are deeper than what I can control, deeper than any kind of understanding. God, take me there, and when I am there, I will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. That's why you love the song, because you connect with those lyrics. 
That's our desire. That's our heart. Some of us live as if we're in control of this life. Some of us live as if we're in control and, and we're kind of you know, orchestrating the deal and, and we're leading it. And so these moments of a waiting room experience come into our life to wake us up and to show us you're not in control. I'll never forget when we, were, we had gone through two doctors and now we were on our third. Mom was... Um, kind of getting a little hope at this point with the third doctor. Like, he said, we've got some medicine, we've got some trials, we've got some stuff, we're going to use this. And, and, and so one day it was, hey, I, I'm hopeful, let's see how she reacts to this treatment. And then after this, you know, we'll kind of come back and see what it looks like. And so that was this day. And so in that moment, you're like, okay, sweet, okay, we're, some hope. Little glimpse of hope, we're praying, God's going to do it, God is going to do it, we know he's going to do it. And then the very next day, he walks in and he says, you know, she's it's not reacting like we had hoped. And then he said something that I'll never forget. He said, you know, when you walk into this place and, 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 and you see all the, you know, the dialysis machines, you see all, these, all this fancy equipment, and you see, you know, the nurses and the doctors and the medicine and all the stuff that's happening here, you, you see all these bells and whistles and lights and, and all of these monitors, and he said, what it does is it gives us the illusion that we're in control. And he said, I just want you to know that we are not in control of this situation. Your mom is in someone else's hands. And it was like he was preaching right there in that moment, a sermon that I didn't necessarily want to hear. Some of you are like, Trent, you do that every week, so I don't want to hear it, bro. <laughs> I'll never forget the illusion of control. How many of us live our life as if we are in control. Uh, we took our family a couple years ago to see the Grand Canyon. And so when you, when you go see the Grand Canyon, if you've never been there, it's a huge hole in the ground, but it's more than that. It's amazing. The, the, the beauty and, and, and just, the, just the, the width and the spans, it's just incredible. And, and when you go see something that was created by God that's that magnificent, you don't like get to the edge and look over and go, I carved some really cool pumpkins this year. That's like not your response. You don't see the, the great expanse of God's glory and creation and go, man, my 401k is killing it this year. That's, that's not your response. Your response is, whoa. Even my kids, you know, are like, whoa. <laughs> we need that moment in our life where we stop and we say, whoa. I feel really small right now. I feel like God is really big. I'm not in control. And I'm not in charge of the situation. And in fact, I would say that if you're in the waiting room today, or if you've experienced that, you're trying to get out of that room, that God is trying to teach you something incredible, that wow moment. It's like when you're watching TV and like that, we interrupt this program, you know, that, that message it's that interruption in our life that God brings into our life. And it's this ultimate message that God continually has to interrupt my life and your life to teach us. And that is, it is not about you. 
This life is not about you. You are not in control. This life is not even about this life. This life is about the life to come. So stop worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow takes care of itself. Follow and trust God today. Live your life for him today. Stop wasting your time. Follow him, trust him, and be strong in him today. So we don't know how long it was for God to answer Habakkuk. We have the story, and it feels like he's just doing this quickly, but this could have been months, could have been years. We really don't know how long it was that God begins to speak in verse 5. You know, he experiences this whole thing, and then he writes it down later. So this, this could have been a really long season. But in verse 5, God finally responds. God says, look among the nations and see Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Let's just pause there for a minute. I can see Habakkuk on his face praying and then hearing God say, look, see, wonder, be astounded. I'm about to do something in your days that you're not going to believe. And he gets up and he's like, sweet, finally, here we go. Thank you, God. Really good verse here. It'd be awesome to like proof text this verse and just like preach this one verse, like not even know the context and the story and just say, see, God's going to do something really great in your life and, 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 and all these things are going to work out and mom's going to get healed and, and you're not going to get a divorce and, 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 and there's, no, you know, there's no more pain, right? But God says this in verse 6, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They take over land and they just make it their own. They're, they are dreaded and fearsome. He knows who these people are. Their reputation precedes them. They are wicked. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go, from them, go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press uh, proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence. All their faces for they gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is in their God. What's he saying here? How long, oh God, are you going to do something? You got to step up. And God says, okay, I'm about to do something that's about to blow your mind. God says, I want you to look. I want you to observe. And I want you to be astounded. All right, I'm looking. I'm ready to observe. I'm ready to be astounded by you, God. And God says, I'm going to send the Babylonians to destroy you. It is not what I was expecting. <laughs> That'd be like us saying, okay, all this political unrest, terrorism, you know, 11 people dying in a synagogue by some crazy shooter, all of this evil, all of these things happening in our culture. God, why aren't you showing up to fix all of this? And he says, oh, I'm about to show up, brother. I'm gonna, uh, right now, Iran and North Korea are in talks, and they're getting ready to come and destroy America. Not what I was expecting. 
Did I say that wrong? Was my prayer wrong? Do you speak English, God? Yeah. I can imagine his response is, are you stinking kidding me? (laughs) Are you kidding me right now? You see, point number three is God's wisdom will often confuse you. God's wisdom will often confuse you. Scripture says that his ways are much higher than our ways and his thoughts are much wiser than our thoughts. And and so now he's sending this this massive nation that is godless. They do not honor God and they are coming in force to destroy Judah. And so now he is trying to reconcile his theology of a loving God and how this loving God could allow such evil to take place. In verse 12, he says, are you not from everlasting? In other words, God, you are the Lord most high. You're in control. You are omnipotent. You're all powerful. You're omniscient. You know everything. You're omnipresent. You're everywhere. You know what the right thing to do is, God. Are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment. O you, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. What he's saying here is something that's really difficult for us to understand. You see, for many years now, Judah had been disobeying God. They were walking in disobedience. And so, first of all, the Babylonians coming to take them captive and to rule over them is, is part of God's judgment upon them. We don't often like to talk about God's discipline in our life. But if you are walking in disobedience, God's judgment will fall. But then there's also a second avenue here that we've got to understand. And that is with this invasion of the Babylonians, God is creating a situation that is going to clearly display the redeeming work of Jesus. And we'll see that in this series. And so sometimes it's a result of our sin, but then sometimes it's just a result of evil. Cancer is evil. There's no rhyme or reason to that. You know, miscarriages, that's a part of the fall. There's no rhyme or reason to that. Why would that happen? Divorce, sickness, illness, all of these situations, we, we question how a loving God would allow such evil to take place. How, how does this happen? This doesn't seem fair. And what we want to begin to unpack is that God is saying, I am doing something amazing through these situations. I am bigger. I've got a bigger plan than you can even realize. In verses 15 and 17, he's talking about fish and hooks and nets and what does all this mean? And he's essentially saying that the people of Judah are, are the fish and the nets and the hooks are the Babylonians, and they're going to come, and it's not going to be any problem. They're, they're going to be wiped out, and they're going to win. And so now what? It's beyond our control. We're in this moment. We believe. We don't believe. We want to understand. And it's in this moment that God is pointing us to his glory and pointing us to a bigger picture. And so what is Habakkuk's response? Chapter 2, verse 1. Just just got to remember, side note here, that we added the numbers, the chapters and the verses, the numbers to the Bible, and so that just helps us organize it. But this whole chapter really is in one one passage here. So verse 1 is really a part of this first chapter um, as far as the story. And he says this in verse 1, I will take my stand 
at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He says, okay, God, I'm going to wait for an answer. Okay, God, I'm going to get up in the watchtower. Why the watchtower? Well, that's where you would go if you were defending your city. You get up high so you can observe, see who's coming, see what's happening. He says, all right, I'm going to go to the watchtower. I'm going to go observe. I'm going to wait. And so there's this idea that I'm going to have this, a, a spiritual sense of inward preparation that, that okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for you, God, to speak. And so as I'm waiting, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going on Sunday morning because I'm I'm, I, I want to hear from you. I'm going to small group because I want to hear from you. I want to be around the right people in my life because I want to hear from you. I'm waiting on you, God. I'm, I'm looking, I'm observing, and I'm waiting for you to speak. And so I'm going to put myself in the watchtower. I'm not just going to dive into my bedroom or my dorm room and lock the doors and just feel sorry for myself. I am actually going to do something when I wait. I observe and I look and I pray and I wait for you to answer me, God. Some of you are there today. See the bottom line for some of you? We've got to wait on the Lord and wait with the word. Wait on the Lord and wait with the word. You see, so often we don't want to wait on God. We want it now. We want it quick. We're going to hear. Prayer don't work. Okay, going here, doing this, doing that, staying busy. We don't want to pursue Jesus you see, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about a bigger plan. It's a bigger plan. It's a bigger purpose. It's not about this life. It's about our future life. Prepare for that life. Think about that life. For our momentary struggles is, 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 is just a glimpse of our eternal glory. We, we only see life and reality almost like a shadow. We, we see just the shadow of what is to come. But one day, Scripture says, we will see him face to face. And then it all comes together. And so for us, we want to decide to wait. We wait on the Lord. We wait with the Word. He wants us to walk into this waiting room. And as we walk into that waiting room, we begin to sense his wisdom and his power. And I just know that some of you are facing some circumstances that are beyond your comprehension. And you're asking, God, how much longer do I have to deal with this? How much longer do I have to struggle with this pain? And your prayer is that God would step in, that God would do something now. Perhaps your struggle is, is overwhelming you and and you're, how, you're, you're asking this question like Habakkuk, how can a loving God actually let this happen to me when I was a kid or, or what happened to me last year or this month or whatever? How can I reconcile this? Some of you are like, man, how much longer do I have to pray about a new job? God, I hate where I'm at. When are you going to open up the next opportunity? Some of you are praying and saying, God, how much longer do I have to deal with the husband who doesn't love me? When are you going to step in and change him? How much longer, God, do I have to deal with the wife who won't let me touch her? Change us, God. Your cry and your plea is real. Some of you have experienced death, the death of a loved one. 
And like me, your hurt and your grief is real. And your heart bleeds with that. God, when will you heal this heart? When will you heal these thoughts? My thoughts are just coming wave after wave of grief. You're in the waiting room. Maybe you didn't even realize it today. You see, God put us there. Habakkuk is there. Some of you are there. I am there. And I'm telling you right now, God is in the waiting. He's in that waiting room with you. As you sit in that chair, your heavenly father sits right beside you with his hand on your shoulder, praying for you, loving you, encouraging you. His presence is in the waiting. So what do you have to do? Well, you've got to keep praying. You've got to keep watching. And you've got to keep waiting. For he will respond in glory. He will respond. You've got to keep praying. You've got to keep waiting. You've got to keep watching. You've got to look and observe and be astounded and realize that he has never let you go. He will never let you go. Some of you feel like you've been in the waiting room for 20 plus years. God, when are you going to let me out of this room? But I'm telling you today, God will provide. He will heal ultimately. He will show up. He wants you to wait on his power. He wants you to learn something now. This waiting room experience is necessary for you to experience the breakthrough that God wants you to have. He's in the waiting. It's not a fun place to sit, I'll tell you. But the glory and the depth and the truth and the joy of knowing Jesus only flows through the waiting room. He wants you to experience a deeper faith and a deeper purpose. Look to Jesus today. Observe the power of Jesus in your life today. Be astounded by the glory of Jesus today because as you look to him, when you don't understand, you can say, God, I believe by faith that you're still doing something beautiful today, even in the midst of my pain, even in the midst of my hurt, God is good. And if you're hurting today and you're still struggling with the goodness of God, my prayer is that through this series, God will speak to you and grow you and help you to wait patiently for him because it's just a season. You will walk through the door. You will find healing you will ultimately experience joy. But the journey of the waiting room and the journey of experiencing his love and goodness and grace cannot be fast forwarded in our life. My prayer today is, is that you would keep praying. You, could, you would keep waiting. You would keep watching. Next Sunday as we hit chapter two, He's going to speak specifically to some, some practical things that we need to do if we find ourselves in the waiting room. And it, it was so mind-blowing that even the New Testament writers wrote about what Habakkuk says, and it ultimately changed everything for them. And I believe it's going to change everything for you as well. Would you bow your heads as we pray today and close? God is, is, is moving in your heart, and I trust that he is.
We're going to close today with a song that speaks directly to what we're talking about today. And my hope is as, as, as they sing this over you, your response will be to receive the truth of the lyrics and that your prayer would continue to rise up. Some of you may want to stand and worship God. Some of you may want to kneel in prayer. But I believe by faith that God is who he says he is. And he will come through on his promises no matter what you're facing today. He's in the waiting. And we want to give him glory today. Father, as we respond to you by faith, God, it is not easy. It's not always a a place in our life that we enjoy. Help us to accept the fact that we need this. We need this. It's not about me. It is about your glory and plan. Help me to submit. Help us to see you. Help us to wait for you. Speak. Speak. God, let us sense your presence in this place. Change our hearts. God, I pray for those in the room who are doubting their faith. They're doubting whether you truly could exist. Their circumstances are so heavy and large that they They just struggle with how a loving God could let such things happen. Help them to wait strong for you, Lord. Help them to wait wait in power with you, Lord. Father, we love you, and we're asking you to speak. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.